Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you again from Orange County, California. This is the site, the blog, the uh, blog, uh, the podcast that you access in order to be able to learn more, to discuss more as a community about travel, to travel more, hopefully, and to enjoy your life more. You can reach me on a variety of different social media platforms. Of course, you can reach me at theprofessortravel.com. Through YouTube and Facebook, you can reach me also there at The Professor Travel. On Instagram, it's a little bit different. It's the underscore professor underscore travel. On Twitter, you can reach me at theprofessortr1. And then if you're a blogger, you can always reach me on uh, Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am very excited to have a returning visiting professor come again. Uh, this is, again, Professor Marissa Paul Frederico. Hi, Marissa. How are you today? Very good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming back. We love to hear your stories of your travel. My pleasure. Now, last time we talked about Iceland, but this time we're going to talk a little bit about another destination that you went to, Argentina. Um, so before we get into that, just again to refresh some of my students, can you talk a little bit about your credentials, like some of your educational credentials, and just a couple of places that you've gone? Yeah, you bet. Um, educational credentials, uh, I have a master's in international business, global management, um, I have, I'm all but dissertation on two different doctorates, so <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, and I, yeah, um, and I, I teach international business, but I, I'm also a photographer, and I, I tra I've really traveled around the world. Um, there, of course, are a lot of places I haven't been. Uh, the only continent I haven't been to is Antarctica, which I was very close to this time, and that is, that is on my list for probably January of 2021. Nice. I actually saw the photo of the penguin, but we'll get into that in just a little bit, too. <laughs> so, um, now, this specific trip, you decided to go to Argentina. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, fantastic. Um, and it's is the is the correct pronunciation actually Argentina, or is it Argentina? I mean, like, I hear a lot of people uh, in many different ways. Either way, Argentina or Argentina, it, you know, depending on, you know, if you're speaking Spanish, it's Argentina, but... You know, English, Argentina, it's, it's not a problem. Okay, fantastic. And how long in advance did you decide to start making plans for this trip? Well, this, this one was kind of an interesting one because um, I have a very good friend that is, um, he's actually a flight attendant for American Airlines, and he lived in Argentina for many years. So the original plan was to meet up with him in Argentina, and we started, you know, looking into this about, I'm going to say, June or July. It was roughly around June, I guess, so, you know, several months before. And um, then he, due to health reasons, had to drop out, and so just my partner and I went, um, and we decided, yeah, we're, we're already planning on going. Let's do it. So, <laughs> you know. Well, <laughs> well, it's still, I mean, again, that's kind of, 
like short notice, I would think in terms of planning, but you tend to, you, you know your way around travel. You've been doing it for many, many years, ever since I've known you, and I've known you for almost 20 years now. Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those things where I don't think you have a problem with, if you had to go on a, if you had to start making reservations for like a flight tomorrow to the middle of nowhere, you would be able to do it without any major problems at all. Well, funny you should say that, <laughs> because, um, yeah, that's exactly what I did. On, on Thursday, I decided I wanted to go to Cambodia on Monday. So I, I literally, uh, yeah, Thursday afternoon, I thought, you know, it's it's coming to the end of the year. I need to make sure I keep my, my, my mileage status on the airline. Where can I go? And uh, this Monday, I'm leaving for Cambodia. So, yeah, oh my it, gosh. But, but I was, tw- you know, over 25 years in the travel industry, so... And that's fantastic. I love hearing about all your various different travel stories because you give a unique flavor in that you've gone to so many different places. You've done a lot of different things. You've done things both rurally and urbanly. So it's been a really interesting opportunity to hear those stories with you and just kind of live through you vicariously as we go through that process. It's been fun. I really enjoy it a lot. Great. I'm glad. I, I, I love traveling pretty much to anywhere. Urban, rural, doesn't matter. Awesome. And uh, just as a just as a pre uh, pre show uh, hook, I would say. Uh, can I can I reach out to you again in order to touch base with you on Cambodia once you come back from there? Oh, absolutely, awesome. by all means. Thank you so it, much. It, it should be an interesting trip. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be. I'm sure it'll be a very educational one as well. Um, right. Now, in preparation for going to Argentina, um, did you need to have a special visa or travel medications, anything like that? Um, you do need a yellow fever shot. Um, I had had my shot already. It, they last for two years if you do a shot. Uh, you can do a five-year um, session or five-year length of medication uh, if you do an oral uh, yellow fever uh, vaccination. Um, but I had already had one from going to Vietnam last year. Okay. Uh, so I did not need to get a, a booster. Uh, my spouse did need to get a booster. Uh, because it had been longer, but that was pretty much it. I, it, it, oh, I recommend uh, hepatitis A vaccination for everyone. Just it doesn't matter where you're going because just get that vaccination. And it, it's two shots over a course of, you know, I think a year, and then you're good. You're protected for life. So okay. yeah, cool, very good. All right, so let's start to talk about then this vacation. Let's talk about the pre-packing process. You're going over to Argentina. Um, it's kind of, it can be a hot climate, it can be a cold climate. I mean, what what do you pack for something like that? Well, that's, that's the interesting thing, Scott, because Argentina, you know, I, I think people don't realize just how big Argentina is. Um, if, if the world map wasn't created by the Europeans and we saw, you know, other continents in their real shapes, you would see just how vast Argentina is. Uh, so we were in Buenos Aires. Um, I've been to Iguazu before, way up in the north. We didn't do that this time. But Buenos Aires was, uh, you know, f- uh, spring season, so it was getting warm. It ended up getting quite warm for a couple of days. And then we went all the way down south to Tierra del Fuego, which was on the chilly side. So, yeah, you, you had to kind of pack for both, which, you know, it it, it just makes your luggage thicker, <laughs> heavier. So, because you have to take both into account. Yeah, and I was going to say, um, how many days did you actually end up for this specific trip? This was, I think, about 16 days. 16 days, okay. Yeah. And uh, during the packing process, um, are you playing around with the idea of bringing toiletries with you, or are you going to bring? Are you going to purchase them when you get there? I'm just kind of curious. 
Um, I'll tell you, um, most of the time um, I, I purchase things like shampoo and conditioner when I get someplace. I don't want to have to deal with bringing it. Uh, you know, it, it, it just depends. It depends on where you're going, when you're going. Uh, but, yeah, this, this particular trip, we just bought that stuff there. Uh, as far as, you know, other toiletries, you know, I, I just keep a small, you know, toothpaste in my travel bag at all times. So uh, that's there. If you need more, you can always buy it. So. Yeah. I think it's kind of one of those things where you have to kind of gauge how much luggage you want to bring with you. Um, when, when you travel, I imagine you pretty much can fit everything into a backpack and then boom, you're off. But when you're dealing with 16 days, that's a whole other ballgame at that point. It is, especially if you're dealing with multiple climates, because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna need you know lots of shorts, but then you're also gonna need jeans, and you're gonna need um, you know some maybe tennis shoes or and then some hiking boots. So yeah, it, it can get you know it doesn't seem like a lot, but once you start packing, it, it adds up. Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm assuming from this location for for this specific trip, you left out of Portland International Airport. Is that correct? Yes, left out of Portland. Okay, and how did yeah. you get there? Uh, American Airlines, uh, Portland to uh, Dallas, and then Dallas down to Buenos Aires. Okay. On the return, it connected through Los Angeles. Okay. And then, um, when, I'm sorry, I should have been more specific on that. Uh, in order to get to the airport, um, what, did you use like an Uber, a Lyft, uh, did you get a shuttle, or did you just park there the entire time? No, because it was 16 days, um, we took the train there. Oh, okay. Um, the, the public transport. Uh, it, it puts you right there, and, and we talked about this on the last uh, session. It, it takes you right to the terminal, drops you off. It's so easy. Uh, I will admit, on the way home, however, we were too tired and too lazy, so we did take an Uber home. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So your flights, you had a stopover in Dallas. I think stopover in Dallas. And then down to Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, did you have any downtime in Dallas in like uh, like a pre-vacation destination where you stopped there for a day or did you just do no. a quick layover? Quick layover. In fact, it was maybe about an hour before we were off again. It was a very good connection. So speaking of travel times, what is the timeline as far as from Portland all the way down to Buenos Aires? It's about 16 hours. 16 hours? Yeah. So about from Los Angeles to Australia in effect. Basically, yeah, uh, because it's it's about um, twelve hours from twelve to thirteen hours Dallas to Buenos Aires, okay. and then you add on the Portland to Dallas portion, and it's, it adds up. To, it's about sixteen. Were you on coach, business, or first class? Unfortunately, coach. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? At least you're being able to get there, and so I mean, it's just yeah. a, it's just the difference in which you look at it. So well, well, we now we did upgrade ourselves to um, what's called main cabin extra. Okay. On uh, on American Airlines, so we had extra leg room and you know free drinks and things like that. Oh, that's kind of nice though, at least. Yeah. Now, when you got down there, did you have any pre-vacation destinations that had already been paid for through a third-party service? I know you, having been part of the travel industry previously, you kind of know how to book your own stuff. But I wasn't sure if you used like a separate like agency in order to book pre uh, like excursions or anything like that? Uh, well, actually, one uh, one excursion was booked uh, through an agency. Um, that was to go see the penguins on uh, Martillo Island down in Tierra del Fuego. And the reason is because only this one company, Pirator, has the license to land on that island and let you walk with the penguins. Oh, Wow. So that was the only one that we had to go through a tour company to do. Okay, perfect. 
So what kind of accommodations are you looking at in Buenos Aires? We did Airbnb, although um, it really was my, my friend that's a flight attendant These since he lived there. These are friends of his that own an Airbnb, so they just blocked it out for us, and, and oh, we wow. paid them directly. Yeah, but it, it was fantastic. It was up on the 14th floor uh, with a gorgeous view. Uh just right in the center of, of San Telmo, which is, um, it's the older area. It's very trendy. It's, you know, you know, it's walking distance. It's, it, there's a, there's a, um, a metro station. It's called the Sube. Uh, the Sube. Yeah, it's right outside their door. It, it's just, it was so convenient. Perfect location. Now, I'm a foodie. So for me, I'm always curious when you're going down there, because I mean, Brazilian and Peruvian are very, very different. What, what kind of food do they have in Argentina? Oh, the best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, it's, it's very meat centric. Um, if you're a vegetarian, why go? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> there are vegetarian options, but you know, it, it's a meat producing country. So, um, you know, our favorite dish, well, two, empanadas, of course. Oh, Everybody yeah. empanadas. Uh, in fact, we went on a, uh, a quest for the best empanada. And then also milanesa, uh, which we're very fond of. Uh, milanesa is a very thin meat, uh, a steak. Uh, you can get chicken as well, but steak, and then it's breaded and fried. And it's not greasy, but it's, you know, it's usually served with uh, chips or French fries. Uh, or vegetables or whatever, and, and it, it's just incredible. I mean, the meat's incredible. So it's, it sounds very Peruvian. In fact, one of my favorite, my favorite dishes in Peruvian is uh, like a verde campoya, which is basically like a like a chicken steak that's breaded, very similar. Very similar. Um, and they and instead of putting it on fries, they put it on like a pasta, like a like a pesto. Uh, so I mean, it's it's kind of a same concept, but I mean. Definitely. It's, 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 I, I am assuming that if you like Peruvian food, you'll probably like Argentinian food as well. I don't know of anybody that doesn't like Argentinian food. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> and, and then there's the wines, of course, too. Oh, Malbec. I mean, yeah, you can drown in the wines. It, it, it just, you know, $4 bottle of wine, and, and it's just so Are you good. serious? Well, here's the thing. Now, their, their economy crashed in August, uh-huh. so... Um, we were able to take advantage of that, <laughs> and um, everything was dirt cheap. Uh, it just, it was incredible. Uh, the wines were $5, 4 or $5 a bottle for a nice wine. Um, meals, uh, the most expensive meal that we spent the whole time was down in uh, Tierra del Fuego in Ushuaia, where we had a live king crab, um, the size, cool. the crab. You saw the picture. The crab itself uh, was the side of a cow, or the size, I should say, of a cow's head. Um, it, it was massive, and with drinks, it was sixty dollars for two people. That's insane. Yeah, and that that was outrageously expensive. That's something that people don't normally spend. Um, can we take a step back for just a second? I'm yeah. kind of curious. When earlier you talked about looking at it from the European globe size. How, if we were looking at it from a from a United States size perspective, how large would you say that Argentina is? You know, um, I don't I don't know the actual um, square miles 
offhand, but it's it's much larger than it looks like on on the globe or on a map because when maps were created from the European perspective, they, they kind of shrunk everything um, other than Europe. But if it was normal size, it would be, I'm going to say probably, well, it's as big as Brazil, um, much wider than it looks like on the map. And uh, I, I'm going to say at least probably, you know, top to bottom, it's about the size of the United States. That's massive. That's, that's, it is. It you know, is pretty big. It's very deceptive because when you're looking at some of the countries in South America, you don't tend to think how huge they are, except for possibly possibly Brazil, because just Brazil right. is massive on its own. But when you're thinking in terms of either Peru or the size of Chile, which is also mm-hmm. very tall and probably could go all the way up and down the entire United States and Canadian coastline. Right. Um, you know, when you're thinking about something like that, you're like, wow, I, I hadn't really thought about the size. but when you put it into perspective, it really does make quite a quite a difference. So yeah, like if you took Argentina and you laid it on its side, it would be as as long or as wide as the United States is across. That's crazy. That's huge. Um, okay, so let's talk about your itinerary. Okay, how long are you going to be in Buenos Aires there? Um, we spent a little over a week in Buenos Aires because. Uh, you can use Buenos Aires as a jumping off point for a lot of different things. Uh, for example, we went to Uruguay for the day. Oh, nice. It's, it's a wonderful trip. It's, um, it's an hour and a half, I think, by boat. Um, you, you t- oh, not even. Maybe just an hour by boat. Um, you take the ferry across right from Buenos Aires. You land in Colonia del Sacramento. And you just you can you can go further afield. You can go down to Montevideo or wherever you want. But we just went for the day, um, spent the day, rented a golf cart, drove around, had a blast, and then took a, a late boat home back to Buenos Aires. That's awesome. I didn't, I, you know, I had totally forgotten that you had gone to Uruguay as well. And that's yeah. just again when I when I release this to the vlog and the podcast, I'll also highlight that as well too because I think that's a great a side note. Because these countries are so close to each other on the border sides that it does make it very easy and convenient for you to be able to do that. Um, let me ask you really quickly before we get back into Argentina about Uruguay. Mm-hmm. What if you were going to sell it in a way to someone who wanted to visit Uruguay? What, what what would you say is a selling point of going there? Oh, it's um, it's lovely. The people are so lovely. The um, the sites. It's just it's not as um, it's not as overrun, I would say, with tourism uh, because it's a much smaller country. Um, and also because it's a much smaller country, they don't have the economic woes that a country the size of Argentina does. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there's a little bit of that. You know, things are a little bit more expensive, but it's still very reasonable. And, you know, they, they just don't have – they don't have any anything but um, – you know, kindness for people. And, and, and I will say Argentina is the same way. But in, especially in Uruguay, it was it was really a lovely day. And, you know, granted, we only spent the day there. But it's very nice. I had, heard, I had heard a couple of different things about Uruguay, which kind of piqued my attention previously. I thought one of them, and please correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, if you don't mind. No. Um, I had heard that they used the U.S. dollar. Is that true? Quite a bit. They do. Okay. So they use the U.S. dollar. I've also heard that Uruguay is also very LGBT-friendly as well. 
Oh, uh, Buenos Aires. I mean, uh, Argentina is, Uruguay is, absolutely. Both. Okay. Very much so. Awesome. Well, those really, I think, accentuate, you know, if, if you're looking for a place where, say, for example, you and your partner, um, like me and my husband, we considered going down there as well. And that's one of the selling points that I've looked at is, you know, where could I go that's not only safe, but would be a very nice location and a different culture that we can explore and really get a lot out of. And I think if that's one of those things that would be helpful to a spe the specific community that I represent above and mm -hmm. beyond, not just the travel community, but also the LGBT community, I think that's right. something that's definitely worthy of consideration if you're doing Oh, yeah. But both of those countries are, are completely accepting, um, no problems, nobody. I mean, you'll see straight men walking arm in arm. You'll see gay men walking arm in arm. Women, nobody cares, um, it's, it, 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 which is really fascinating for a primarily Catholic country, uh, both of them. Um, it's just a non-issue. Yeah. And I think from a from a sociological perspective, and, and you and I are both professors, mm -hmm. um, we we look at countries like that um, and the nature of how that is socially acceptable there, but in other societies it's not. And, and I think part of that resonates because of the differences in the political climates, the the socioeconomic climates. The I mean, there's so many different factors to take into consideration. The history. Okay. You know. There are a lot of factors, and nothing I can put my finger on that that really explains it. Um, but but yeah, there are a lot of factors to why it is the way it is. But there there are large gay communities in both countries. Excellent. Okay, so let's let's step out of Uruguay for a minute and go back to mm -hmm. Argentina and specifically uh, to Buenos Aires. Uh, you did a few things there. Uh, do you want to highlight a couple of those different things that you did? Yeah, um, you know, we we went to the, first of all, the, the uh, Mercado San Telmo, which was not very far from us. It's just an old market, uh, kind of a cool place to go. But on um, Sundays, every Sunday they have the Feria San Telmo, which is, uh, it, it's like a street market and it, it goes for miles, um, artisans, all sorts of things. And one of the things I found really particularly attractive about their um, their markets, their, you know, street fairs, is the fact that, you know, in a lot of countries, you know, if you look at something, they'll push you to buy, and if you don't buy, they get a little annoyed. Yeah. Not there. Oh. This, this, is, this is the price. Um, you don't need to haggle. This is the price. Um, would you like it? No, thank you. Oh, well, have a lovely day. Um, you know, and it, this is especially a country where their economy is not doing well. And the people were just friendly and nobody was pushy and it was, it's just a pleasant atmosphere. So yeah, the Feria San Telmo is uh, on a Sunday, not to be missed. Um, great, just a great time. Uh, tango dancers and Ooh. all sorts of things, um, street performers. Um, and then, you know, it ends at the Casa Rosada. So if you start at the beginning and just make your way down, you end right at the Plaza de Mayo and the Casa Rosada. Now, one of the pictures I'm going to show later on um, that you took was of, a, is it a plaque or maybe it's the site where Ava Perone is looking at? It's at her grave site. Yeah. It's at her tomb. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure that's a very important monument to a lot of the people who are Native Argentinian or Native Argentina. And, you know, her presence as part of their society was really paramount as is highlighted by the um, shows and movie Evita and just she, she had a significant influence on their society. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. She's still revered today. I mean, they have um, likenesses of her on the sides of uh, tall buildings. Um, she's very prominent in, you know, a lot of things. There's an Avita Peron Park or Ava Peron Park. Uh, so, yeah, still, still a very important figure. Nice. Okay, cool. So now we're going to start to move on. Um, so you had a wonderful week in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, Tierra del Fuego. Okay. Well, before, actually, before we, oh. if you don't mind, before we get to Tierra del Fuego, some of the other things you can do from Buenos Aires, and and, and I highly recommend um, taking a day tour out to an to an estancia, and and that actually we used a tour, a small tour company as well. Is it an estancia? Um, estancia. An estancia Except- is really like a ranch. Okay. Um, the original ranches where the gauchos are, they're working gauchos. Uh, there are some that are touristy, but, you know, there are some that are real, and that's where we went. Mm-hmm. Um, the cowboy town is San Antonio de Areco, um, which, you you know, you go to prior to Estancia, and you, get, you can ride horses, you can ride a, a horse cart, they do performances for you with the horses, and they, of course, feed you a massive uh, asado, a barbecue. So it's it definitely, a, I would say, a not-to-be-missed experience. Um, and then there's also, um, there are a lot of other things you can do for the day um, within Buenos Aires, different types of things. So we, in spending a little over a week, we we had plenty to do. There was a lot. Wonderful. And so you wrap up your week there. Um, yeah. did, what kind of a flight did you take down to Tierra del Fuego? Uh, we took LATAM Airlines down to Tierra del Fuego from Buenos Aires. Very simple to do. Uh, you, you don't go from the international airport. You go from the city airport, okay. uh, which is the domestic airport. Uh Three-hour flight down to Tierra del Fuego and uh, a world away. <laughs> it's <laughs> really different, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden you're going from a, a almost tropical climate to a much colder climate at that Ar- point. Uh, Antarctic, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's all the same country. It's just, you know, it's the difference yep. between, like, Texas and Alaska, so. Absolutely. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about Tierra del Fuego. What, what, should, what should we know about there? Um, Tierra del Fuego is really charming. Um, I, I will say a, a couple of things. Um, I would advise renting a car in advance for at least one day um, so that you can drive yourself down to uh, the actual Fin del Mundo, which is the end of the world, um, within the Tierra del Fuego Park. Uh, don't waste your time taking the train, the, uh, the Fin del Mundo train. It's it's a touristy little train, and yeah, it, it's interesting, but it, it's you'd be much better off and have a better time if you just you know book ahead. We got lucky at the last minute, but uh, book ahead, and you can, you can get an inexpensive car for you know twenty five dollars a day, and drive yourself down to uh, the Tierra del Fuego Park, the national park, where you can hit different spots. You had a picture, and it's not, it's not what I'm highlighting here in. Mm-hmm in the background PowerPoint, but people can obviously go to your site in order to see that. And I'll have the, uh, the link up uh, in just a little bit, but you had an interesting picture of destinations from, uh, from, from, from the location that you were at. Can you tell me a little bit about that picture and, the, and that signage that they have there? Yeah. It, it's really kind of, it's fun. It's, um, it's, it's called the post office at the end of the world. And, and it, it is, it's the southernmost post office in the world. Uh, the, the town or the city, yeah, it's more of a town, the town of Ushuaia is the southernmost um, city in the world. 
uh, it's it's that, and then Antarctica. Uh, so, I mean, with with the exception of Port Williams in Chile, but it, that's not really a town, and it's not set up for tourists or anything. So, there's this sign down there. Well, first of all, when you get down there to, into to that post office. Uh, for a couple of dollars, they'll stamp your passport and put a sticker in it and everything that says, you've been to the end of the world, which, <laughs> of course, I had to do, you know. Of course. Uh, yeah, my, my, my spouse just looked at me and, you know, the eyes went rolling, but, you know, um, I'm corny like that. So you enjoy it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I enjoy it. You know, I've been here. So uh, then they have that sign, and it shows the distance of all these different places from the end of the world. Uh, the end of the the end of the civilized world. So it, it, I just thought it was kind of fun uh, to see how far every away everything was. It's a great picture. I loved it. I highly recommend everybody go over to your website in order to see the variety of different photographs that you have because some are quirky, some are really picturesque and beautiful, and you just you have a great eye for photography. I understand why you got into it. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so it's amazing. So you were down in Tierra del Fuego for how long? Is it basically a week? No, uh, I want to say four days. Four days, okay. About four days. Four okay. or five days, something like that, yeah. And how's the weather down there during that time? Uh, well, it's it's spring, so, you know, there were... So cold. We were Well, we were lucky. Um, the weather was absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, a, a coat, yeah, but I was wearing a T-shirt. Okay. Uh, you could get away with that. It's known as being very windy. It's also very cold. Um, but for me, coming from Portland, it was pleasant. It was like, you know, 50 degrees, which was fantastic. Um, after we left, the winds picked up again. It's known for its winds. Uh, but while we were there, it was calm. So, again, it's we just got very lucky. But it can be very, very cold, especially with wind chill. Excellent. And did you notice a difference in, again, we're going to get back into food because I'm totally a foodie, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, did you notice a difference in the cuisine primarily between what you had in Buenos Aires and Tierra del Fuego? Yes, in fact. Um, seafood plays a big role because it's, you know, down, it's at the water where the Atlantic and the Pacific come together. Mm -hmm. uh, so king crab is king, <laughs> So as I mentioned uh, at the beginning. But the other thing that you find more there, you will get beef, but the thing you find more there is lamb mm. because the ranches there are, are sheep ranches. They're not cattle ranches. So it's almost like going to Norway in reverse. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, what were some of the activities that you did while you were down there? Uh, sorry, well, we took the um, the boat to Martillo Island and, mm. and saw the Gentoo penguins and... Uh, the Magell Magellanic, always have trouble with that word, uh, Magellanic <laughs> penguins, uh, incredible experience uh, walking with the penguins. Only one company does that. Um, uh, it's called Piratour. Uh -huh. They have the exclusive license to do, to, I mean, there are lots of companies that will take you the boat up to it and you can take pictures from the boat. But yeah. Piratour has the license to take people onto the island uh -huh. and they only do it, um, you know, 20 in the morning and 20 in the afternoon and 10 people at a time are spend time with the penguins just to, you know, preserve it. And you can't get that close. I mean, you're very close. You're like five feet away, but it's not intrusive. Yeah, yeah, it's not intrusive. Okay, perfect. Awesome. So that, that was definitely a highlight. 
And then we, the, the other day, we drove down to Tierra del Fuego. And one of the days we just kind of kicked it around town, walking around town and just relaxing and seeing a cute little town. What type of, like if somebody wanted to buy souvenirs or something to bring back from Tierra del Fuego, what, I mean, I imagine they probably would have a lot of wool and things like that that were down do. there. But they what do. other things might they have too? A stuffed penguin. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course um, they have stuffed penguins. <laughs> Yeah, stuff penguins. Um, it, it's really, um, you know, there's there's not a lot. Um, I would say, you know, t-shirts, wool, uh, wool scarves, things like that are very, you know, very big. Um, mate cups, you can get that all over Argentina. Um, and um, then, of course, stuffed penguins because, you know, everybody needs a stuffed penguin. Now, when you're down in that area, I imagine because of the coldness of the climate, you know, wine is not necessarily the first drink of choice down there. What kind of hot drinks do they have that are the preferred drinks in that area? Wine's still the first choice of drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's Argentina. Of course. <laughs> and beer. Beer, too. Beer is big in Argentina. Um, they've got a lot of breweries, a lot of microbreweries in Argentina. I don't typically think to go to gravitate towards beer when I'm thinking about Argentina. The wines, absolutely. They're world-renowned yeah. for their wines. But you're saying that the brewery, uh, the brewery groupings down there are actually pretty good too. The brewery culture has exploded in Argentina. Absolutely, every every little province has a couple of different microbrews. Okay. So that was fun too. But um, as far as hot drinks, coffee. It's just coffee, tea. Well, they're big on mate. Um, mate. They, they drink mate all day, every day doesn't matter what the weather is. It could be hot and humid. It could be cold. That is just the national drink. And, um, and again, for, for the benefit of my students who aren't familiar with what mate is? It's, it's like an herbal tea. Oh. Um, I don't particularly care for it. It's an acquired taste. Um, it, it, to me, it tastes a little bit like dirt. Uh, but, you know, um, there are people, obviously, Argentinians grow up with it, so they have an acquired taste for it. Um, but yeah, it's just an herbal tea. This is very earthy. Very earthy. <laughs> You're like really, really earthy. Really earthy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Any other things we want to touch on at Tierra del Fuego before we head on back? No. Um, Tierra del Fuego is going to be a little bit more expensive, um, even accommodation, because there, there's limited accommodation. Uh, we did an Airbnb there as well. Uh, limited accommodation, uh, limited everything because things have to be flown in. Uh, Tierra del Fuego started as a penal colony, much like Australia. It's where Argentina sent their prisoners, and that's how the town of Ushuaia got really started. So you have to bear in mind that it is going to be a little bit more expensive. Makes sense. And speaking of that as well, if a person wanted to take an excursion or a few-day excursion, like a cruise, to head into the Arctic Circle. Would Tierra del Fuego be the place that they would want to do that from, or are there other spots that are more appropriate for that? Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, if, it is the town of Ushuaia is also the jumping-off point to uh, Antarctica. And um, even though Antarctica, you know, it's the southernmost uh, city in the world, Antarctica is still another thousand kilometers away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, that is where, uh, I mean, there are boats that go from Chile as well, but that is where uh, most uh, cruises and what have you go from. Um, the cruises, although they, they only touch the uh, Antarctic Peninsula, they can't go into Antarctica. 
you have to go with more of an icebreaker ship, a double-hulled ship like uh, Cork Expeditions or National Geographic or a Russian. There's a Russian one that's been doing it for many years um, that can withstand the ice. Yeah. When you're in Ushuaia, you can book last-minute trips and, and at a discount um, You know, if you want to take that chance. The minimum time you have to have, however, is 10 days. It takes that long to get down there, be in the Antarctic, and get back. And some people might wonder why it takes so long. I mean, a thousand miles is still a thousand miles, but there are cruise ships that do go that. I think probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, the the notion for wanting to take it slow and steady is because you're running against glaciers, and you have to be yes. very, very cautious about not necessarily glaciers, but icebergs at least, and yeah. you're having to barrel through that in order to be able to get there. Because in the night, those glaciers can, you know, or not glaciers, I keep saying glaciers. Icebergs. Well, yeah. yeah, icebergs. The icebergs yeah. can come together and, like, cover your path. So you have to be very cautious about being able to go in a specific direction and navigate that effectively. And that's why it's very slow, very steady, very yeah. meaningful uh, yes. through that process. So Absolutely. But, and, and, I, and I really wouldn't recommend anybody do a cruise unless they're already doing a cruise because you're going all the way down there. You're just touching the tip of Antarctica and turning around and coming back or going on to somewhere else. Um, so if, if your goal is to see Antarctica, you definitely want to go on an expedition that goes further in. Okay, perfect. And I know there are, I think there are other places in the world uh, that will go there as well. I think maybe there might be something from South Africa, and I think there might be something from Tasmania over... Uh, New Zealand. Uh, there is something from New Zealand. But but um, Argentina and, and then part of Chile, too. But again, Chile, they don't have the infrastructure because it's mostly ice down there for Chile. Um, the Argentina and Ushuaia are much closer, so most things go out of uh, Argentina. Are you saying it was very chilly and chilly? It's chilly and chilly. Enough of the horrible puns. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. okay, so let's start with the de-embarkation process and the return back to the states. So, okay. so again, um, was that going to be on American Islands or American Airlines on return? Yes. Okay. Well, we went, we went back to... Um, oh, I'm sorry, back to Buenos Aires first. Buenos Aires for one day on LATAM, and, okay. and then uh, American Airlines back to the United States. Okay. And was that... Did, did you do anything that one day, or is it just kind of a getting reacclimated kind of thing? No, no, because we, we had the, a one night, and then we had all day, and it was a night flight back. So oh, okay. um, we did... Actually, we did something really interesting. Uh, we did kind of our own self-styled uh, tour of Jewish Buenos Aires. Oh, tell us a little bit more about that. That's kind of interesting. It is really interesting because um, I had never even realized. I mean, I have some distant relatives that were from Buenos Aires, but uh, it's it's really it's still today the seventh largest uh, Jewish community in the world. Mm -hmm. So who knew? And um, you know, some beautiful temples and. Uh, you know, synagogues, and uh, we tried to go to a, a Jewish restaurant, but they were just randomly closed. The people wanted to go on vacation for a long weekend. We don't know. Um, and um, so we, we did that, and that was really very interesting. And then one, one of the highlights of the trip also, which is something I found out kind of last minute and by accident, was uh, going back to the Plaza de Mayo by, by the Casa Rosada, and 
it's really moving. There's uh, something called, it's the mothers of the plaza, uh, uh, Los Madre, Las Madres de, de la Plaza. They're a group of women who are very elderly at this point, um, who have been marching every single Thursday since 1977 um, around the obelisk in the plaza. Uh, really, as it, uh, originally it was a protest for, the, you know, after the military coup in the mid-70s uh, when, you know, 30,000 people went missing. Um, so these are, these are the mothers of some of these children, and it became a thing. And they, they've continued to march um, around 2009, I think it was. 2006 to 2009, they actually were told where some of the bodies were buried. But these these women still continue to march, and they, they're really a national treasure. So that that was fascinating. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's something I would definitely want to see if I went down there. Yeah. Um, I do want to flip really quick back to the Jewish area, though, for mm -hmm. just one quick second. Um, sure. And on a rather quirky and factual note, it turns out that this is one of the few places that you can actually get McDonald's kosher. Is that what I'm understanding? It is. It is. Yes, I did go there. We, we went there um, just because we had to. Well, we didn't eat anything, but I did take pictures. Um, it's the only kosher McDonald's outside of Israel. How interesting is that, yeah. too, So, yeah. I mean, again, you got a lot of things on the high end. You got a lot of things on the really interesting, you know, quirky end. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like this trip pretty much had everything you could possibly want for all different occasions. Absolutely. It, it was, it, you know, we, we really... Uh, we really did a lot. We pack a lot in. <laughs> well, <laughs> All right. you know, and I say that, but I don't mean that packing a lot in. Like some people, uh, I know people that like to just jump from city to city, city, and, and, and see everything in a country. Uh, we're more the immersive kind of traveler where, where we'll have like maybe two bases in, in a two-week period. And we'll see a lot, but we're immersing ourselves in the culture. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. So you're heading back now. On American Airlines, mm -hmm. um, how's the how was the return process? Was there any problems with, uh, you know, as far as uh, passport control or um, anything coming back into the states at all? Well, it is LAX. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, no. Um, uh, my wife has um, the quick thing. I can't think of what it's called. Um, uh, that gets you through passport control really quick. Like I don't passport? have that. Yeah, it's a card. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what it is offhand. I have uh, a, the travel uh, the travel passport, hmm. and it's it's an app on the phone that you can buy for fourteen ninety nine. Hmm. Highly recommend it. Uh, it 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 helps you to avoid standing in long lines. Um, there's a special line for people with this travel passport. You you have your passport and all of your information filled out ahead of time. And as the plane lands, you just click a button and say, yep, I'm here, I'm in LAX or whatever airport, you know, that you're going to, you know, as long as it's a member airport. And there's no filling out of cards anymore. There's nothing. You, you get in a much shorter line. You get there, you scan your uh, phone, and you're done. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like one of the two. Most of the people I'm speaking to through these interviews – uh, usually either will gravitate towards the mobile passport or they go through global entry, one of the two. That's it, global entry. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they're both good programs. Um, the thing with global entry is you have to take the time to do an interview, 
Um, and I already have TSA pre-check. Yeah. So I didn't see the necessary value in it, um, especially now with the mobile passport. Makes sense. Perfect. Okay. And just so people can get a little bit of a vision as to what you got an opportunity to see, I have a few pictures here if you want to share a couple of them with us. Sure. Uh, the one on the left was uh, uh, Ava Perón's mausoleum in the Recoleta Cemetery, which is an entirely um, it's, it's something that you can't miss. It's it's a, a, just an incredible cemetery. Um, you know, not like a you know a ghost hunter or anything. It, it's just an incredible cemetery. It's beautiful. It looks beautiful. It is. It's absolutely stunning. Um, and and so that's where Ava Perón is buried. Um, very interesting there. And I'm sure I heard somebody playing the Requiem from Evita. I don't know where it was coming from, but I heard it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, it was very strange, but that was kind of cool. The, the picture with the, that's actually a sunrise, believe it or not. Um, that picture, the top right, um, that was from the, the 14th floor, the Airbnb we oh. were staying at. And it's facing towards the ocean, or actually, it's not the ocean, but it, it's it's the um, it's it's a fresh body of fresh water. But it's it's facing out there, and that was just an incredible. We were getting these sunrises every morning. And then the the bottom picture is uh, just the the Andes from the aircraft as we were coming into Buenos Aires. It just uh, I, I love taking photographs from airplanes as well. So. Well, this, was, this is one of those things that's very spectacular because you get a chance to see one of the largest mountain ranges in the world, and it's just a beautiful depiction of exactly what you're looking at as you go through this. I, the reason that these two pictures, the one on the top and the one on the bottom, I mean, obviously Ava Perone's is fantastic as well, mm -hmm. but the one on the top and the one on the bottom, show, I think, the dichotomy between the two locations that you were at. One very sunny very warm environment, almost like uh, Brazil, tropical Mexico type mm -hmm. situation. And then the other one, very colder, like almost Alaska or Norway or something like that. But it's all the same country. And it's really fascinating that you get those two very, very dramatically different climates. And and not only that, but, you know, when you're you're flying over and you're seeing the Andes, it, it's it's so vast and, and unpopulated. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it really makes you almost feel so small um, when and, and when you start to think about how crowded the world is and then you see vast areas of the planet like this that are uninhabited it, it just it's mind-boggling absolutely now I know if people want to see a few more of your pictures we have other we have a site I'm going to show them in just a minute so I thank you very much for sharing that with us it's really appreciated so on post-vacation talk here um, let's talk about the pros of going to a place like Argentina um, you know, it, it, there's, it's culturally and um, sites, it, it's so, there's so much to see, so much to experience. Uh, the people are absolutely lovely. Uh, we did not run across one nasty person, uh, even on the, the Sube, the, the uh, metro. Uh, we would get on the metro and young people would stand up automatically to give us their seats. Oh, yeah, it, it just, you know, of course it made me feel old, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another story. But, but yeah, it, it's just, it's a it's a wonderful place to go. The food is incredible. The, um, the atmosphere is incredible. There's so much to see. It's just it, highly recommended. Excellent. And just as some things to be aware of, um, what might my students want to know about if this is their first time heading over to Argentina? 
Um, a couple things, actually. One is, while there's not a lot of general crime, the kind of crime that there is would be like snatch and grab um, or pickpocketing. Okay. So you don't want to wear anything that you don't want to wear a backpack on your back, for example. Uh, you want to maybe, you know, when you're in a crowd, put it on the front. Uh, keep a close eye on your things at all times. Uh, beware of anybody, you know, maybe coming by on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. wasn't that common, but it happens. So it, it's just being aware of your surroundings. It's not dangerous. You can walk at night. It's not a problem, but it's just being cautious of your surroundings and not walking in certain neighborhoods at night. Uh, you you want to be careful about that. The other thing I would say um, that you need to be aware of is that you, you shouldn't use the ATMs. Uh, they, they, they limit, because the economy is what it is, they limit you to, I think, about $200 or less uh, pulling out of the ATM, and there's a hefty fee that they charge. So you're better off, um, you know, changing with somebody you know, or, you know, there are a lot of people that are willing to change money for you, um, especially if you're staying at a hotel or an Airbnb. Um, our, our host, uh, again, friend of a friend, but he was more than happy to change money for us. And if we had money left over at the end, he'd change it back, you know. So uh, there are other ways around it. Uh, credit cards are not as widely accepted as one would think, although most restaurants and tours and things like that do take credit cards. Okay. That was going to be my other question because I'm yeah. kind of curious. I'm, I'm, mostly, I'm mostly a plastic person. I, I don't carry a lot of cash on me, if ever. So, I mean, it's good to know that some of those things – and I try to, like, do prepay excursions in advance, so I'll have maybe a paper voucher or something on my yeah. phone uh, if I'm going places. So, it's good to know that. So, one, thing, one, thing, one thing I actually want to add, because, you know, in all the tour books and people we knew warned us, you know, take taxis, don't use Uber, et cetera, et cetera. We used Uber the whole time in Buenos Aires. It was fantastic. Um Literally, like, I mean, to get from the airport into the city was $20, half the price of everything else. Uh, driving uh, around town, it would be $1.50. And so, actually, funny that you mentioned that because I actually recently had an interview with someone who had talked about Uber. And the safety factors that are actually involved with that, I think, are actually even better than a taxi service. Because 100%. When, you're, when you're using an Uber app, you're like, okay, I'm I'm going to be speak. I'm going. This person's going to know exactly where I'm going to. Exactly. Um, whether or not they can speak the language is not necessarily relevant, unless I mean, exactly. you you know who's picking you up. You see their face in most cases. Right. You see their license plate information. Right. And heaven forbid something actually does happen to you. There's a record of that Uber driver or something that would happen. I mean, exactly. You're protected in many ways that way. Exactly. And I think far more than you are in a taxi. Yeah. Um, we never had any problems with Uber. People could find us. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, I speak some Spanish, so it, it was easier. But if you go there and you don't speak any Spanish and you use Uber, you don't have to communicate with the person to explain where you're trying to go. Yeah, exactly. Makes it easier. Totally. And there's no, there's no cash that you're dealing with either. Exactly, it's a cashless complete, and, and you're safe through that entire process. And they and it, it, heaven forbid they did have nefarious ideas, they they know you don't carry cash on you, or they know that this is already being paid for in another method. So 
chances are of a, a, a robbery situation would be very, very nominal at that point. And then there's also a, um, a button on the Uber app that works even in Argentina that's, you know, alerts if, if there's a problem. So. Yeah. Perfect. And then finally, on the post-vacation piece, um, any additional value adds, cost savings, uh, best practices, anything that you want to share with the students? Um, you know, people are, people are sometimes a little cautious because it's expensive to get there. But if they realize that's your biggest expense is your airline ticket getting there. Once you're there, it's really inexpensive. So it shouldn't be something that, you know, people look at and say, oh, that that's going to be an expensive trip. I'm going to have to save for that. It's no more expensive. In fact, it's cheaper than going to Europe, even though the ticket might sound more expensive. Um, your, your costs while you're there are just negligible. I mean, our, our Airbnb in Buenos Aires was $20 a night. <laughs> on a 14th story, on a 14th floor? On a, a, skysc- a skyscraper with a gorgeous view, we had the whole place to ourselves. There was a bottle of wine when we were waiting, you know, when we arrived, and some cheese, and yeah. Oh, yeah. that's spectacular! And, so. and sometimes, sometimes people, I think, need to understand that when you go, you, you could pay a little to go to a country that's far away, and those the people make you feel at home. I had exactly. the same, I had a very similar experience when I went to Bangkok, where I went to a five star resort. It cost me pennies. Once I got there, and when I went there, the the concierge had like sweet tea waiting for me in the room, had cold right. towels waiting for me in the room because it's very humid over there, and yeah. it was just one of those things where you just felt so pampered, and they are so happy to have you there and, and using your money in order to help support the economy. It's yeah. a good invi- it's a good investment on your part culturally, and it's a great investment because they 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 feel that their society is being well represented as part of that process. Absolutely. I, I can tell you, I mean, this happened to me in, when I was in Vietnam last year and in Cambodia next week, it, a massage a day will make me happy. You know, I'm down with that. So, yeah, so now if people wanted to see more of your pictures, the best way for them to contact you would be at your website. Is that correct? Yeah. They can see uh, more photographs um, uh, right on the website. Uh, they can look under people. They can look under places. Um, and they'll see, you know, lots of different places that I've traveled. Um, if they have any questions, they can also contact. There's a contact page on my website. Um, they can see my, my stuff through Instagram, uh, Facebook as well. Uh, yeah, lots of different ways. And just for my people who are on the podcast, I'm going to spell this out. It's www.frederico, spell F-E, I'm sorry, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-O, photography, all one word. P-H-O-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y dot com. So that's FredericoPhotography.com. Okay? Um, again, Marissa, thank you again for sharing this. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Cambodia when you get back, but this has been just a delightful interview. Again, I appreciate it so very much. And should, should any of my students have any questions or concerns about anything, you can always either send them uh, directly to Marissa if it's a question about Argentina or Uruguay, or if you have a generalized question, you can send it to me over at scott at theprofessortravel.com. Um, as always, hit the bell if you want to be reminded about new videos that come out. Um, you're welcome to like and subscribe. If you're on a podcast, please give it a rating. We absolutely want to know uh, feedback, positive or negative, anything that you are experiencing through this process. But as always, make every day a wonderful travel adventure. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye now.
The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting The Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.